It's not a matter of if, but when a crisis will rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. Our suggestions are meant to empower you to handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Today, I've got Crisis Squad member Dr. Abdul Omari with me. He's an inclusion, equity, and diversity thought leader and consultant. We're diving into the case file I call Supreme Disagreement. Here's the scenario, Abdul. A high school student comes home from school to tell his parents classroom discussion involved learning about the Constitution. His teacher was sharing how recent decisions by the U.S. Supreme Court were not within the original intent of the Constitution. His parents happened to like recent rulings, so they took to the school parents' Facebook group to share their dismay. An uproar followed. Yeah, this is not surprising. I teach college students, and one of the conversations that we had recently was very much in line with this. But I think the important thing to do, which I certainly try to do with my students, and I think this should be used in in any age level, is setting the context, right, and making it clear at the beginning, I'm not telling you how you should think about these cases, but what I do want to do is inform you of historical information, here are the facts that we know them to be, and then instruct students, it's your decision to make. I'm here to just provide you with information. And I think another thing that's really valuable is always to bring it back to, so why does this matter to us? Why does this matter to me as a high school student? Why does this matter to me as a college student? And that's not to say you should care because of this, but it's to say, here's a bunch of information that I'm providing to you. What does that mean for us? How do we make sense of it today? And then I think students can dialogue and engage in a way where they'll be able to draw their own conclusions. And hopefully the conversation when you get home from school would be parents. We had a conversation about the Constitution and I'm grappling with the information Let's talk about it. I love that. And I also like that you brought up this historical context, because when I think about the issues in this case, File Abdul, there are free speech issues. There's the policy of the school that maybe the teacher has to live by or not. You know, we don't know for sure. There's legal accuracy, which I, as a licensed attorney, am always very concerned about. And I think sometimes in our modern, you know, 2022, 2023 environment, the the legal accuracy is getting a little muddled. Mm-hmm. So how do we stay inclusive but also stay accurate when we have these discussions? I laugh at the legal accuracy. I have a friend who's an attorney, and he says we got a bunch of law and order certified attorneys out here. Yes, I love that. <laughs> right? It's important for ourselves, right, especially if we're the ones who are in the position to be educating. I've listened to read podcasts and books that don't necessarily align with what I might believe. But if we're going forth with information, we need to make sure that we have both of those sides and also recognizing I'm not an attorney. I'm not trained in that way. And so always putting that disclaimer out there, I think, is really important, too. When it comes to things like policy and stuff like that, I obviously don't know the the exact situation here, but it is important. And if a school or a district does not have some guiding policy and principles here, that's going to be a lesson that needs to be taken away from this for sure, that we do have to have those things put in place. Well, first of all, Abdullah, very glad you care about what is legally accurate and the law. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the law also is an organic thing. 
Every generation also takes things and interprets things. So we do have that aspect that I want to get into a little more with you. But I also want to bring in, there's this social media nature to this case file. So the parents take to the parents' social media group, their Facebook group, and they're shouting things off. That ends up building a lot of discontent and maybe makes even more controversy out of something that if we just left at, let's try to discern what's happening here. So how do we balance those free speech rights that a lot of people these days take to social media and then also some mental health and awareness and inclusion in these kinds of controversial topics? Yeah, I certainly think that social media and other platforms that can garner attention can be used in very valuable ways. And even in the situation here, whether or not the teacher was found to have done something wrong or not, this is an opening for folks to say, oh, we might need to be a little more thoughtful about how we do this going forward. I think the unfortunate situation in many cases is that it does get blown up and then there's a lot of side narratives that are being created that are not entirely accurate. And the reality of it is we can only control what we can control. And at some point we have to recognize that the side narratives are going to happen and people are going to go in directions that might be on the fringes of accuracy of what happened and what didn't happen and then really lock in on the things that we can control and focus there. I want to bring in some legal current news, summer 2022. End of July 2022, we find out Justice Clarence Thomas has pulled out of a constitutional law class he teaches in the fall. Now, he's been teaching at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. since 2011. So this is a long-standing relationship. I always think of places of higher learning. You've, you teach at them. I, in the past, have been adjunct faculty at a couple different universities, These are places that every opinion can matter. Um, Every persuasion can matter. We are a cornucopia. We learn from each other. But after what appears to be the Dobbs decision from summer 2022, students took to the streets of GW, protested an 11,000 signature petition from community members demanding Justice Thomas's removal. Like, this is amazing to me. When I was in law school, I cannot imagine anyone demanding a state Supreme Court or a federal Supreme Court justice being removed, like thinking you have the power to even say that should happen. So word came down through his co-teacher, one of his former clerks, who's a professor there, to students that Justice Thomas would no longer be teaching this class. He was sad to report. The class will still go on. You're an inclusion expert. To me, this just seems like a major slam against inclusion, against our Constitution. You don't have to agree with the man or the justice, Clarence Thomas, but to basically do activities that, in my mind, kind of forced him to just resign or leave this class. And it's a constitutional law class. I would love to be taught con law by a U.S. Supreme Court justice. The first thing that I'll say is George Washington administration was wise not to take a stance on this. As a university, we don't agree one way or the other with Clarence Thomas's views. They didn't remove him. It sounds like he decided to do it himself. So from an administrative standpoint, they made a wise choice in not stepping in. When decisions like this are made, real people are impacted by the decision. Supreme Court decisions. Yes, Supreme Court decisions. The reaction to Clarence Thomas, in one sense, is an emotional reaction. And in another sense, it's a justified emotional reaction because lives are being impacted by these decisions. That in many ways creates an inherent tension where you have on one side, these decisions are impacting my freedoms 
and what I believe to be my freedoms and have been my freedoms for a long time, coinciding with I have the right to say what I believe and what I think, whether that's in a classroom or otherwise. And of course, there's other factors that come into it, like faculty tenure and academic freedom, which is a cornerstone of higher education. In any situation in higher education, if the professor is tenure, the university probably wouldn't be able to do anything at all, even if they wanted to. In the case of it being an adjunct role, which, again, they did make the right choice and not stepping in and saying you can or cannot teach this course. All of that I completely agree with. One thing, though, on the legal front and just for education purposes, in general, the United States, our citizens are not as well-versed in civics, in the Constitution. I don't know if it's just not getting taught or if people just get into issue politics and then they go and run on emotion. But these decisions, like in the history of our country, Supreme Court decisions get overturned, especially if bad descriptions of it and reasons for it. The analysis for, let's say, Roe v. Wade from the early 70s. Dobbs' decision by Justice Alito basically said the Roe court got it wrong on the law. And that is what Dobbs solely was doing. Now, in the 50 years between Roe and the summer of 2022, the legislative branch had the opportunity to codify these rights. They did not. So we have to remember as a nation, it's the legislative branch of every state and our country on the federal level that actually make laws that the people want. So there is a legal argument to be made that giving this back to the states is the right way to go. And each state, based on their mores and and how they live in that state, it, it still doesn't make it less real, Abdul, because I know lives are affected. But on the law and in general, if we can take away the emotion and focused on what the law is, because look, you know, you're black, I'm brown. If certain things weren't looked at that way by previous courts, you and I would still not have rights in this country. They needed to say on the law, each man, actually each person is created equal. And thank goodness there was a court that really busted up previous decisions. So you and I are supposed to be able to live in this country as freely as anyone who's white. So it's about the law. And I I don't mean to be this stickler, but the law really does try to be as neutral as possible and as fair as possible. That is what I hope we can learn and discern and take some of these arguments and these protests to our individual legislators and tell them what we what kind of laws we want. That's where it happens in the state houses and in the halls of Congress. There has been a longstanding backlash in view of higher education that it's liberal leaning. And given that context, I think it's possible that higher ed is partially to blame for this reaction. There at least hasn't been the feeling of a fair exchange of ideas on higher education campuses. And I think in some cases that's probably accurate. Now, as far as the petitions that took place and saying we don't want Clarence Thomas teaching this course, I think it's important to think about the different components that are at play here. We also need to take into the context that there was not just one decision that was made in this term of the Supreme Court. There were major decisions that were actually decided in this term. And they're saying one of the most historic Supreme Court terms in history. The other piece that's important in here is it's not just emotions, but there's also a real feeling that people have that this is significantly impacting my life and my freedoms. And so when we take all of that into account, then we all need to step back and say, now, what is the other side saying? If it's emotional for me, it's likely emotional for somebody who disagrees with me. 
if it is impacting or I feel like it is impacting my life, it's probably impacting other lives as well. And sort of discern these nuances that come to play in all of these. And then I think, again, in higher education, even though it can be harmful, it can be hurtful, that exchange of ideas, if it doesn't happen there, it's not going to happen. Exactly. And this is where I would hate to see across American institutions of higher learning that we squelch the other side's narrative, whatever that other side is, right? right? And so it is important. I love that tip to ask for the other side's narrative or what they see or what they think, what their feelings are. So as we talk about solutions to similar crises or even to this crisis, Abdul, this is a real learning opportunity. That's one of the solutions. You've got to discuss with all the parties involved, the students, the teachers, maybe get in some more legal advice, right? I think it's also a good time to really check, are we able to have opinions and not feel like we need to attack those who disagree with us? I am saddened in the last several years that has become kind of the American culture that if, you know, I don't agree with my sister or my neighbor, grandpa, they are wrong, they are bad, they're evil. And that makes me very sad as both a human being and a lawyer. That makes me sad. I always think about it in this way, from a personal standpoint and the people that I am going to interact with in my personal life. I think that there are certain fundamental beliefs that we have. And if people break those and harm our core values, then you can decide, you know what, this person is not bringing enough value to my life, or it's more negative than it is positive or what have you. At the same time, I think that we also need to recognize that individuals are extremely complex, (laughs) right? And there was a time where I could have said, if you voted this way, then you clearly don't like me. Now, as I've gathered more relationships and had more conversations with people, I've realized how people can bracket their decisions and they can say, I can think this way, make this decision without thinking about you, Abdul. It actually has nothing to do with you. And while that makes me very unhappy and sad and all those things, it also helps me really understand that, oh, okay, just because you acted in that way via a vote or a political affiliation or what have you does not mean that you agree with all of it. And that's, I think, part of the challenge, too, is we've said there's two camps and if you can't be in the middle, you can't flow back and forth. Some of those nuanced conversations that we should hopefully be having with folks, I think, really open it. And I'd say this and then I'll I'll, I'll likely be done for a moment. There's people (laughs) who, by and large, do agree with a lot of things that I believe are in the same political and philosophical camps who have some other things that they don't agree with me on. So it goes in both directions, right? Yes, it does. And so I think that's that's important to recognize. So I used to always say on my former radio show and even currently to my executive clients, I have a very high tolerance for being disagreed with. I just do. I don't look at it as an attack on me because I'm confident in my beliefs. And actually, I look at other people disagreeing with me as a way for me to learn and expand and and be enlightened. And clients that are looking to me for guidance, these executives that I have to manage up, down, and across, I'm also helping them build that muscle because then they also are a little more bulletproof and can lead, I think, more holistically and organically. That's what I hope for our listeners Mm -hmm. is that you can grow that muscle for being disagreed with. And it doesn't mean someone's wrong or evil. Really, you're in a position every day to teach just by sharing with an open mindset and not being angry about it. So solutions here, we definitely recommend people assess their emotional response and then ask 
What are the other sides, stories, pensions, quirks, whatever it is, but the narratives of the other side, and really discern the fundamental beliefs for all camps involved so that we can be more inclusive in how we discuss and maybe take judgment out of the picture. Yeah, absolutely. For some people, that sort of assessing of the other side is easier than for another group of people, right? And it's a muscle memory thing. Learn and continue to take into those nuanced accounts. And the other thing that I'd say is it's also very tiring. (laughs) This is not easy work, right? To always say, well, I wonder why they're thinking about it like that. I don't always want to have to think about that, but yet it will be beneficial in the long run. I love that you say it's tiring. We're being honest about it. This isn't easy if you truly want to both be enlightened and to enlighten others and maybe eradicate some of the negative isms that are going on in our world right now. Thanks to Crisis Squad member Dr. Abdul Omari for his insight. Today's Crisis Brief brought to you by Golf Public. Number one, analyze your emotional response to any situation or headline. Number two, recognize the tension between and the balancing of your own rights versus someone else's freedom of expression and freedom of thought. And finally, set the context when you are in situations that are meant to be open forum. Prepare and plan before a crisis strikes with Goff Public, an award-winning public relations and public affairs agency. Learn more at goffpublic.com. Thank you to my podcast co-producer, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music. Want us to weigh in on your crisis? Email me, Rashini at RashiniGroup.com, R-O-S-H-I-N-I at RashiniGroup.com. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files. <laughs>